Well, Mike, we finally have some stuff to talk about, don't we? Seems like that might be the case. We've we've had some things happen here lately. Uh, first of all, we're coming off the weekend of, I guess, the biggest tournament we've seen since this whole COVID situation got going. Uh, here in Houston, Texas, they actually had the Clutch City GT this weekend. So we get some stuff to talk about there. And Mike, you were actually in attendance. So, you know, we get some uh, firsthand reporting. Entirely through no and... fault of my own, mind you. <laughs> <laughs> so we also, uh, we have a new Bellacore model that's out. And uh, chances are he'll be something that we can all use. It looks really cool. His rules look yeah. pretty cool. It's appropriate. Uh, yep. So, and then, you know, we might be able to catch up a little bit on uh, kind of what we've been thinking about the meta lately and, you know, the, the new armies that are out. So, um, yep. Mike, why don't we just get right into, let's just talk about the event and what happened and start there. Cause, you know, I think everybody's kind of curious how were all these new codexes going to work? Um, there were some folks saying like Dark Angels were going to be super overpowered. Uh, Death Guard, kind of the same thing. Uh, definitely day one, it certainly looked like that uh, to, to a degree. Uh, you know, what was your take being there? So my take is we saw a lot of the armies that everyone was sort of thinking would um, be like the, the most viable choices. Death Guard, Dark Angels, uh, Sisters of Battle. Um, I've heard referred to as a very powerful codex. Um, however, I mean, I, I think you follow the actual stats of the tournament a little closer than I did, but just my perception of watching things as they played out, I don't think that's actually what we saw. Um, so granted, I only played two games. I wasn't actually registered for the tournament. I was sort of one of those, well, since you're here, we need a ringer. So anyone who was going to get a buy for rounds two and three, I wound up playing. Yeah, so why not, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I got two games out of it. I had a great time. Um, but honestly, it was very interesting seeing what people were taking because it was all very like elite infantry like like a big brick of elite infantry like terminators with the right two up four up up with some sort of special defensive gimmick um and everything was very very close combat focus uh which i think is likely a reaction to one the board being smaller uh, but two the fact that you have to be able to take and hold objectives on this smaller board means that close combat is at least at face value much more valuable um yes yeah, so but so what do you think attributes to the fact that we only saw it, it, so if i was hearing you right on like the elite armies um you know you had you had armies that were really kind of like going all in on on maybe terminators or something like that so what yeah. do you are the are the rules for the armies making them do that or is there some inherit advantage to to actually taking those units so i think that the special rules for death guard and um dark angels in particular very much incentivize you to take those units um especially in what was the marine meta where effectively everything was like strength five ap minus two damage two which kills intercessors dead 
Mm -hmm. uh, those weapons are completely ineffective against Death Guard or Dark Angels, at least the types of lists that we were seeing. Um, But the thing is, when everyone is special, nobody is. So what I, I think on up happening is you'd had a bunch of lists that are specialized to go up against the meta that existed the last time a major tournament was played. And because so many people had adjusted their lists to, I'm going to kill intercessors dead, but nobody showed up with an intercessor list. Mm. It just sort of threw everything out of whack. So like an example um, I showed up with a janky Eldar vehicle list. Literally, it was what did I have painted, built, painted, and based uh, that I could put together in half an hour, and that that was my list. The list, the list that I played, had no way to deal with that. That literally is just okay. Well, you're gonna slowly walk across the board while I rip you apart with my long range guns, um, and almost none of the armies that I saw that I was like, okay, yeah, that, that uh, the internet list for that says, this is pretty good. This is pretty good. This is pretty good. Had any real effective way to deal with it. Death guard have a little bit of it because they can bring the, their, um, their artillery tanks. But even that, that's just not enough uh, to deal with a proper like tank list or anything that spams like just mass infantry. They don't have enough attacks. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of interesting because wow. um, when we look at the top 10, Clifton Russell was up there with his orcs and, you know, body count yep. on that, I think was something he was probably close to about 200 models, 150, between 150 and 200 models, someone there, somewhere in there, I would imagine. Um, and that, that kind of thing to see him, you know, kind of up there against everybody else in terms of, you know, scoring at everything, he was right in line with the, you know, the Sean Nadens, Nick Nanabadis, um, you know, all of them, uh, when, when, I, when I looked at the results, all of them scored overall for the, for the event. The top five were, I think, at about 500 points or higher. Um, yeah. So like Death Guard and Perium Soup, um, and Camacho's list was interesting because it was like a bunch of dreadnoughts. Um, so that was kind of cool. And mm-hmm. um, Naden... So the list that won was Sean Naden's Eldar list. And, you know, although there's, I, I think there were some questions around like the, the bird flocks and whether you could take just one or, or what the deal was, was there. I don't think there was any controversy. Um, the, the list itself had a sneaky amount of mortal wounds he could put out a turn. Um, yeah. You know, with, with the amount of psychers uh, that he had in there. Um, and that was something that kind of stood out to me looking at a bunch of the lists up there. There weren't a lot of psychers. Obviously, Clifton in his orc yeah. army, he's going to have his weird boy for jumps. Um, but aside from that, like Nanavati's obviously got, you know, the, I think, what is it? Isn't there just one guy that's in that list that's a psyker um, just to get him some basic spells? But yeah. I mean, other than that, you had a Black Templar, Death Guard, Imperium, Orcs, and, and Eldar. And you really only had like one army with psychic powers in there. Um, yeah. You know, the, the, the other interesting thing. So my, what I expected to see was that there were going to be a lot of armies that had their codexes up at the top. And statistically that, that I would have expected like the top 10 to be dominated by armies with their, with, with codexes. 
but it really yes. wasn't the case. It's it's exactly 50-50, the armies that actually have a codex. And I'm, I'm considering, like, if you took Space Marines in your list in a soup army, that that counts as, hey, look, you have a codex that you're working with, like a ninth edition codex. Um, you know, like Black Templars, you have a ninth edition Space Marine codex that you're working with. Dark Angels, um, you know, Blood Angels, you know, more Imperium soup. Um, white scars. Uh, the, the, these are the armies that are up in the top. So you really, the only armies that didn't have their codex are, you know, really the army that won it, which was Eldar. Um, you had the Orcs army, which was second. Um, then you had the Tau list that was up there, and then you had um, uh, what was it, the the Custodes list that was in there, and the rest of them all oh. essentially had. Um, they had something to work with uh, from a codex standpoint. I think yeah. Keith's, Keith's Imperium list might have also been uh, mostly just a, a random assortment of soup and not really anything to take advantage there. But anyways, my point is I expected to see like a, a way more slanted, like I wouldn't have been surprised to see a couple up there, but to see an exact 50-50 split, does that surprise you? So it is a little surprising from a, like a purely just looking at the rules of the given army's perspective, um, mostly in that the new codexes, they have more tools at their disposal uh, in order that allow you to be better at taking objectives, scoring secondaries, scoring mm -hmm. secondaries. My Lord, some of those space Marine secondaries are incredibly good. Um, yeah. Like, I, I can't like the fact that the Dark, Dark Angels guy I played literally is just like, well, um, I can't fail to get the secondary, so I'm just going to get like two to three points per turn every turn. Like, what the heck? Um, so they're like playing a but, completely uh, different game, basically. Yeah, they're playing a completely different game. So, like, yeah. I, but um, I, I think that one instills a certain amount of complacency. And that, hey, I've got the good codex and over sort of comp effectively over investing in a particular style of play. So, like for instance, um, the the tournament the Terminator style lists, they're great against some things, but you move really slow. Uh, so you can never it's very difficult for those lists to push out of their own deployment zone past no man's land and take an enemy objective unless you're going to deep strike or something. And two, they have no real ranged threat to really speak of. And so what we want, what we wound up seeing was that the, those lists, if they were forced to cross the table, suffered pretty badly. Um, and the other thing is, it's actually kind of funny, Eldar uh, actually have great tools for dealing with that type of list. Um, Shuriken Catapults uh, with their rending on sixes to wound are shred to those Terminators. It was actually ludicrous how effective they wound up being. Um, the, and they put out quite a number of shots too. It's way to fire, right? And yeah, that's always been kind of- At a very low points cost. Yeah, so that's always been something that I've I've been kind of it's kind of one of those first lessons you learn when you're playing and you're like, oh well, you know, I'll take terminators and watch, you know, people try to deal with them. And then you get the one person who's like, Well, how do you how do you kill terminators? Make them make saves. 
And so, you know, it doesn't matter whether it's a two up save that you're making. I'm just fishing for you to fail with, with ones left and right. I'm just going to drown you in so many shots that it just doesn't matter how good your save is. Yeah. Um, And so I think that even though they do have better tools at their disposal, ultimately, if your list is overdeveloped towards a particular style of play, it becomes inflexible and you can't properly respond to what your opponent's doing. Um, whereas there are some, some players that they, they make their list and it's flexible enough uh, and it has all the tools that even if you get a necessarily not a great matchup, uh, you, they can still pull it away with it because they, they have all the tools they need. Um, so do you think we're in a state yeah, right I think now? That was a, yeah. a, Go ahead. Sorry about that. I think that that was a lesson that bore, bore fruit across pretty much the entire tournament is um, this is the first big tournament anyone's really played in almost a year. Right. Uh, and so nobody had any idea what to expect. But on paper, everyone knew that like these four lists are like the ones to beat. Right. Right. And so in those four lists, uh, just for, for brevity here, we're, we're talking um, – the Death so Guard Dark list, Angels, right? Death, yeah, so Dark Angels, Death Guard, Sisters of Battle, and some sort of Intercessor Space Brain list. Right. And so if I was hearing you right in, in what you were seeing, the, the Intercessor list, and, and I think in the list that showed up, that, that really didn't materialize. There were a few lists, obviously, that had them, but it wasn't like people loaded up on them and, you know, Space Marine players were like, well, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of like what we saw in 8th edition with the big run in Space Marines where it was just intercessors everywhere and they were just such a bargain yeah yeah the uh space wolf player i played around three brought 30 assault intercessors um and they just melted uh it was mm-hmm. uh very much uh almost no fun to play against because they're just almost defenseless mm-hmm. um, so and i think the other thing did, is, yeah uh, a lot of yeah, people go ahead. Not, uh, i think a, a lot of people are not familiar with ninth edition and how to really maximize uh, stratagem usage and um, all of the little sort of it tricks that uh, develop as the meta grows. Well, how does list building even come into it now where, you know, it, it used to be in, in at least the end of ITC, this is probably the first time we've really put the new missions to the test. Um, I mean, there's been lots of, I don't want to say that it's untested, but more that, hey, let's run a big major. Let's actually see how these things work yeah. out. And now we actually have some codexes to work with and things like that. Um, how does the list building, do you think, factor into this where you're, you're trying to deny secondaries and things like that? So the main thing that I noticed just because I don't have access to codex-specific secondaries is that there are a pretty broad swath of secondaries as a Xenos player that are completely useless. Um, For instance, the Psychic Ritual one where you have to put a Psyker at the middle of the table and cast Uh it like three times and not get denied. The Psyker has to survive and the enemy has to stay away from the middle of the table. Well, all of these missions, for the most part, your opponent is going to want to get right in the middle of the table. It's almost impossible to do. Uh, Kingslayer is effectively worthless because you only get six points out of the max of 15. So 
you're freely giving away points there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so ultimately, if you don't have your own codex uh, with secondaries there, you should go in with the idea that, okay, these are the secondaries that are worth fifth, the full 15 that my army can realistically pull off. Mm-hmm. Um, and do you think those... That's the thing the, is you have to have... A, do you think going what? in on like the, the, you know, there's a difference between the interactive and the non-interactive secondaries, like the ones that you could execute no matter what you're playing versus the ones that really are dependent yeah. on what you're playing against. Um, is it better? So do, I do you think you can almost, design around those non-interactive ones still? So yes and no. Um, so for instance, I, every per- person I saw playing took engage in all fronts. That's the one where you need to get one unit in every table quarter. Mm-hmm. Um, because you can, most armies can achieve it turn one. Uh, and if you can get one in every table quarter, that's three points per turn. Mm-hmm. Uh, so as long as the, those units still alive, uh, you'll get your points. Um, the Space Marine one that uh, literally has free points for the Dark Angels guy, that's another non-interactive secondary. Uh, so I, I think there aren't enough categories of non-interactive secondaries to be able to do an entirely non-interactive one. Mm-hmm. However, there are enough options that you can take one or two non-interactive secondaries and then one kill secondary uh, in order to max your points. Yeah, so should when you're list designing, should you be designing around that? Like, this my list as a yes, fallback, I think like, that, that's what I should be going for here, and I need to build units to go yeah. do that. I think that if you want to be successful in a competitive 40K environment in ninth, you need to plan around your secondaries. In 8th edition, it was all about playing playing around your stratagems. Now it's secondaries because of how limited the secondaries are and which ones are good. Well, speaking of um, what's good, uh, so chaos-wise, we only saw, it looks like, one list sneak up into the top 10, and that was Nick Nanavati. And in general, uh, you know, there most of the chaos lists that were there were either Death Guard or some kind of soup. Um, I don't know yeah. that w- there were any of the Super Chicken lists that really went into like Monster Mash with Magnus Mortarian, the Lord of Change. Um, I think I saw one guy running Magnus Mortarian and Super Chicken. Okay, um, but I don't think he did very good. Right, and and I think that at least he wasn't most of most of the lists now know how to deal with that, and and I think it comes down to that, you know, when we were talking about how scoring is working now, a lot of it is centered around taking and holding objectives, and yes, you know, Mortarian's okay in close combat, but once you get into combat with say the Chicken and and Magnus, you can just drown them in bodies. So like against the orc, the orc list. I don't. I don't think that that uh, those three big monsters have anything they can really do to win that matchup. Especially when you look at the fact that he's got you outnumbered in bodies, and then he's also got those um, the mech guns in the background that they're yeah. just going to do the same thing. Like they'll just one of those models is gone turn one, no matter what. Like they will. Yeah. There's no way for you to get onto 
um, onto the mech guns quick enough to, to eliminate enough of them. Yeah, and the sad reality of it is the things that kill Mortarian, Magnus, and Super Chicken are the same things that deal very well with the Terminator meta. Mm -hmm. um, and so a, a lot of the value of those units is de de detracted from that right. because the people are bringing the tools in mass to deal with them. Like, I think I saw one guy with like 15 met guns or something ridiculous. Mm -hmm. It's like, Oh my Lord. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, th that's, that's just kind of along the lines of what I'm talking about. And um, you know, the, the, yeah. I think with Magnus, you have an option where he can be used as a cannon, a psychic cannon, and you can kind of slingshot him around the board. But yes. even that, to a degree, he's just going to get shot up because he has no way to hide. He can't get behind terrain. You can't really do anything other than buff him. And at the end of the day, the, you know, the minus to hit stuff and the Invulns, like getting them to a three up invuln with with minus one to hit and all that stuff is you're dumping so much into them and there's armies that can just go right through it yeah yeah and the fact that you can't stack too many buffs of the same type um reduces some of the effectiveness of that right so what did you see that surprised you i mean personally um just as a, an aside, I had never seen the new Benetton engine models before, and they are <laughs> tiny. It's just like, what the world did they do to you guys? <laughs> um, That's not an epic scale, or uh, what was that? An epic scale model, right? <laughs> yeah, I was just like, what? What is this? This is like half the size of the old one, right? Um, but yeah, that's fine. Um, honestly, what surprised me the most was the. Outside of the people trying to do the sort of the meta lists was the sheer variety of different types of lists I saw people trying. Um, like I saw people running pure mechanized, which I haven't seen anyone do mm -hmm. um, in like four editions, um, like outside of myself, of course. Right. Um, and now, when you say full uh, mechanized, what do you? What do you what do you count as full mechanized? Like, like all vehicles? Like the more than half of the points in their list are dedicated to vehicles. Yeah. Uh, that aren't just Lehman Rustman. Um, which actually I, I don't think did guard even show up to this. There was time. one guard list, they the yeah, they did not have a good time. Well, they probably had a good time at the event, but from a from a scoring standpoint, no, they yeah, just from they, scoring standpoint, they, yeah. they they certainly weren't having a good time as a result of winning. So no, yeah. Um, but just thinking about it, the there, there was a I, I think people were very much trying to feel out like what is a viable in ninth. Mm -hmm. um, the 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 I guess. The, 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 like the, the cream of the crop players that have a very like, strong idea of this is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm going to bring to do that thing. Um, but the majority of people, like, there's a, uh, what's his name? Uh, I don't know. The, yeah, there's one guy that we know that he's been playing 40K for years, but he never played a game of night. So literally when I showed up on Saturday morning, he, I think he got a buy round one. He's just reading through his rules, like, okay, how do I play ninth? It's like, dude, you you you're gonna play ninth without having read the rules. It's like I figured I was gonna wing it, 
It's like, okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And so I think for a lot of people, what, it was the opportunity to get out and uh, see everyone again, but also the, actually like get their feet wet, figure out like what actually works. Um, like I hadn't seen uh, Eric's new list uh, since the last time I saw him. I was like, what in the world is this? Yeah. Who Eric is the gene the gene stealer cult player who was doing quite well at the end of uh, uh, what was it the end of day one he had a little bit of a rough day two but yeah. Uh, yeah I mean overall he had a great tournament and and you know when we when I was running the stats he was by far outscoring his him and the Tau player were by far outscoring their opponents um, in every game by a yeah. lot meaning they were denying their opponents from getting very many points at all and. They were just scoring left and right very, very well. Yeah. Well, I mean, both of those armies have great board presence and yep. just are very effective at scoring the secondaries. Um, I, I don't think that uh, they have necessarily enough teeth to them to deal with some of the tougher customers. And uh, that might have been what got Eric on day two. Right. But um, those are excellent lists. Um, all things considered. Uh, and I, I'm, I don't know the ultimately I ended the day on Saturday in a, like a great mood. Cause honestly, the, that this tournament validated a lot of my feelings on the fact that as much as on the internet, we might be dooming gloom. The new codex came out. Everything is awful. At the end of the day, the, everyone I see saw seemed to be able to have a, a decent amount of fun as long as they weren't just getting blasted off the table. Right. Um, which almost none of the lists I saw were aiming to be able to achieve that feat. So, right. Because again, that, that doesn't score you points. Well then let's, uh, let's segue for a moment here and just have a quick, kind of chat about what actually does score points right now so obviously holding objectives does <laughs> right so yes. you know the whole time i'm looking at this i was looking at the event unfold and i'm watching some of the games and and i'm just kind of sitting there like what could i be doing with rubric marines or terminators or zangors or something like that to to not necessarily replicate what they're doing but are those tools i could be using to 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 score in these games or, or after they're done with deployment and looking how the board set up, like how could I attack this with the thousand suns tools? You know, I, it became a little bit depressing the more and more I watched it because I realized the, the units that we have and the options to get on the table and, and actually go do some of these things are so far outclassed right now um, by a lot of the stuff that's up at the top that, you know, I don't, I don't know, like you're saying, hey, you'd be having fun not getting blasted off the table. I'm not sure that Thousand Suns don't just get blasted off the table. You know, they're, they're, they don't have a lot of range, right? You can put one unit up, maybe turn one, turn two, you can put one or two units up in their face. But I mean, that's about it. And most of your stuff is just going to melt really quick. So I actually don't necessarily agree um, with that assessment. Uh, I, I feel very confident in the idea that if I had more effectively, if I wasn't just scraping together whatever I had available, 
I could have probably put together a thousand suns list that could have fairly handily beaten the Dark Angels army and the Space Wolf army that I wound up playing. Um, the main thing being that one AP2 on our standard weapons is enough. Um, effectively, anything that's worth a damn is going to have a four up invuln save. So if you can get them to a four up save, you've, you've done your job. Uh, and two, with no one bringing any psychic support for the most part, like you, they might have one psyker uh, in the mix, and that's a big maybe. Uh, Thousand Sun psychic will just run roughshod over uh, enemy units. So I, I don't think it's quite as apocalyptic um, as like you like you show up and you, just, you don't even get a turn. Um, okay, I, I do think that. Thousand Suns players would definitely have to play smart um, and bringing paying the extra CP for like a extra detachment as a sort of a specialized unit to be able to, for instance, the taking up the magic Terminator Sorcerer uh, is very effective um, against a lot of these armies because Death Guard don't have any defense against mortal wounds except on their HQs and Dark Angels, they have to bring a named special character that grants a feel no pain versus mortal wounds in order to get any real defense against that. So, so, so we'll get to more. Let's come back to the mortal wounds. On on the psychers bit, what worries me from the data I'm seeing is that with a lot of lists not running psychers, it means that the Abhor the Witch secondary is actually an option for them. And is actually in a lot of games going to be yes. something that you'll probably face. And it, from from the looks of things, at least half your games from from the data, at least that I can see, half your games that will be an option for them to take that secondary against you. Now I know that they nerfed it a little bit so that it wasn't like people could just in two turns max that out. But you still have the problem that mm -hmm. every unit in your army is more or less going to be a psyker, and you're going to give them all sorts of scoring options that. You know, there, there really isn't anything you can do about that. And from a scoring standpoint, that's where that gets to be really tough, where kind of you're going to run into like that that glass ceiling where, you know, fighting the armies that can just, you know, take aboard the witch and run you over. Um, and in a lot of ways, our rubric Marines, they're still Marines. The, the five up save, five up invuln they have, it's, it's definitely good. It's better than not having it. But they're also T4, one wound, three up save models. And the amount of two damage weapons that are out there that can just absolutely just rip through them. Um, like you were saying, th there's a plethora of that stuff because it's still expecting to see things like Death Guard and, you know, they're, they're, they're out there trying to deal with Death Guard and, and, and you know, intercessors and things like that. Um, I, I mean, hell, look at Jakari have, um, you know, their new splinter splinter cannons are now damaged too as well. So the the, yeah. the game is shifting towards that. So until we get an update on like all is dust, to me, a lot of those things start looking a lot worse than I thought they were. Um, I do think you have a very good point. So looking at Sean Naden's list and then realizing looking at Mortarians, you know, the Death Guard in general, their weakness is really mortal wounds as well. And realizing yeah. that, you know... It, it, there might be something too with Thousand Suns just 
going all in on a mortal wound output army. Yeah. Um, I think that if I were to go about it, that's the route that I would take. Effectively bring enough, like probably two squads of rubrics to camp on objectives towards the middle of the board or being able to at least shoot into the middle of the board. Bring something like a squad of either thinking of the Terminators or just a 20-man block of Zengors to contest the middle, at least even for a turn or two, but otherwise just pump out mortal wounds as fast as possible with the rest of the list. And I, I think that that's the route that Thousand Suns have for victory uh, at the moment. Mm. So you could probably still make and, use uh, of maybe a, a, like a cult of time block of rubric Marines or something like that. And oh, yeah. you know, maybe what you do is play towards psychic ritual and your goal is to just go sit in the middle and just say, Hey, come move me, you know, and, and you just yeah. infiltrate them. And then, you know, as, as stuff gets killed, you, you bring them back and you know, you've got stratagems and all sorts of stuff to be able to revive uh rubric Marines now there. So you could, you could try and keep that. And so alive. most tournament boards have a piece of terrain in the middle of the board mm -hmm. so that'll give you cover so that's a two up armor save um so even if you don't get all this dust you're still about as defensive as you're gonna get um and so i i think it needs some play testing and mm -hmm. have to be sort of fi fine-tuned as the metas continues to evolve Mm -hmm. But just based off of what I was seeing, I think that thousand somebody could have taken a pure Thousand Suns list with like probably um, just thinking about the, the uh, either a battalion of time or duplicity, one or the other of those, and then a patrol of magic. Um, and I think that list would have done great. Uh, in the middle tables. I don't know if you necessarily have the tools to go against some of those like top tier lists. Um, but I know for a fact that you could have performed excellently um, mm -hmm. against the majority of people who showed up. Well, that'll probably do it for some of our meta uh, chat here. Um, I do want to get to Bellacore because... <laughs> I think that that is probably the first sign of new stuff that we have coming. Um, let's today they it's actually the released master a has returned. <laughs> let's let's just get right into his rules. Um, you know, barring the fact that his model, his new model looks amazing. Uh, they did a really good job on it. It does. Um, it, 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 I mean, paint wise, you have all sorts of options. Their stock paint that they put on there, the really dark color scheme and everything. You know, all that being said, they do a really good job, obviously, on their model. I don't know that I would do all black on him. I think he needs a little bit more color um, to, to really kind of, you know, I'm not a good enough painter to paint it and have the shades and the contrasting uh, for some of the details that are there. So personally, when I get him, he's probably going to be a different color, but teach their own. You know, that's my that's my own take on yeah, that. That's a whoever painted that did a fantastic job is all I'm going to say. Like the, yeah. Uh, Oh yeah, gradation on the wings is oh, amazing, yeah. and the color on it draws the eye towards the center of the model, uh, just as it should. Yeah, um, 
It's just it's a beautiful sculpt, and it, I'm looking forward to seeing this thing on the table. It's a beautiful ultramarine on there as well. I mean, the ultramarine looks just fantastic. It is in his natural state at his feet. So, anyways, on that, um, so let's start with this. Obviously, they previewed his sword. Um, he's got a great option, basically, the fact that he can basically double his attacks against uh, horde units. So, like against orcs, he's hitting at AP three. His strength is probably like six because he's a demon prince, maybe seven, because he's a little better. Um, so he's hitting at like strength six, minus three, one damage. Um, chances are he's making what, like maybe eight attacks, eight to 10 attacks, somewhere in that range. Does that sound about right? If he's if Yeah, he's I, I, I put him probably at five to six attacks base. So yeah. between 10 and 12 attacks. Yeah. And then if he needs but, to, uh, his he can use... strike is awesome. Yeah, this is the one that's really great because, I mean... He gets, you basically, you don't get to have involved saves here, which I think is the huge thing. Um, so no matter what, yep. you don't get to use your involved save. So when you when you talk about all these units with these great saves and it's like three up involves, like the super chicken and all this stuff, it's like, nope, don't care. You don't get to use it. And the even better thing is the fact that there's no, there's no activation or way to shut that down. Like there's no denying it on a psychic power. There's no... Um, uh, there's not even like things like, hey, that shuts down an aura. You can't even do that. It's this is something built in. It's an ability on the sword itself. So I don't know that there's anything that really can just can stop that. And the damage so on it's ridiculous. The, yeah, the only thing I can think of is Howling Banshees and Jane Czar uh, can disarm him. Oh, so uh, he can't use that weapon. Uh, and the changeling, the changeling would be really neat here oh, yeah. too. Because well, you could use the changeling, the changeling to steal the weapon. Well, he can only copy infantry, right? Uh, oh, yeah, you're right. You're right. Never mind. Yeah. And I'm, I'm wondering if they changed Jane Czar's to also only work on infantry as well. I'll yeah. have to check that later. Yeah. Um, but I think his, you're right on that. The other thing that I really like about the sword is that in addition to having a great profile, like plus four strength, AP minus four, the damage on it is a D3 plus three. So it's incredibly consistent. Right. Uh, which I think that's the thing that really makes a lot of these early beat stick uh, units suffer is how unreliable their D6 damage was. Yes. Um, yes, absolutely. So that, that's a, a huge mark in his favor. Now, when we when we look at a couple of the other things here, so obviously he has a four up invuln save. Uh, you know, most of the good models in the game have that as their as their normal. Like most characters have, like an iron halo or chaos characters have the four up invuln just built in. Uh, however, he also has um, you're at minus one to wound against him. So that's that's actually an incredibly strong buff just built into him. No activation. Again, no psychic powers that need to go off. You're just at minus one to wound, and that's at ranged attacks. So it's not it's not for stuff when you're when you're in close combat. But if you get it, you're you're in the close combat against them. I mean that that's where he wants to be anyway. So you know that's going to be kind of the way you're going to have to deal with this guy. I think is uh, charging in with like you know your smash captains or your you know your 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 units that are <laughs> your blade guard whatever that's really ready to go in and, and hit them. Um, and then shadow form, obviously um, this works on all attacks. So you don't, 
the really, really good interesting thing here is the fact that you don't get to re-roll any hit rolls against him. And each time you make an attack, you're you're at minus one to hit. So it's kind of like they're now they're now starting to um kind of reveal some of the extent that they're going to with some of the rules now in in, in these new books where they're shutting down these things and and where in eighth edition it was like well how do i stack as many re-rolls and synergies and stratagems that work on everything and now they're they're starting to come up with these units that it's like well you can have all that you can't use it on me yeah um which i think the uh this interpretation of shadow form i think is a good homage to the way that bellacor worked previously um because it used to be he was just natively invisible, so you always had to fire snapshots at him. Mm-hmm. Uh, now uh, you still have the penalty to hit him, but the fact that you can't re-roll is a huge difference. Yeah, um, and really shuts down uh, a lot of the efficiency or stuff that would make it. Yeah, the stuff that would make it like, yeah. hey, he's he's supposed to be hard to hit, or he just kind of moves around everything, and it's kind of like yeah. if that's what you want, this is kind of how you have to do that. Um, without breaking the game, yeah. really. Yeah. 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 Um, the, uh, what, now, what's... Thing. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. I was just going to say, what, what makes what makes him interesting is the fact that he doesn't have... that. Well, we don't know, but it's kind of the question of how are they going to address his um, his keywords, right? Because he, he is kind of an oddball unit. Uh, currently, he doesn't have any chaos mark, right? So he's just a chaos demon, uh, last I checked. So he's kind of a... Yeah. a, a a thing of his own, an army of one, um, which isn't really that big of a deal unless you need to target him with psychic powers or things like that. So, you know, being able to buff him might, you know, this might be a prelude to him not having or maintaining, not having any of those chaos marks. So he doesn't get any buffs. Um, he doesn't get any of those kinds of things. Um, but I think where you were kind of going was yeah. what they're talking about with his psychic, his psychic tree, right? He has his own like bespoke psychic discipline called Noctic, um, which I'm imagining is going to probably thematically be similar to like the Dark Angels and Terramancy, where it's all mind control and illusions and such. Right. Um, and I expect that the way that they're going to have him work inside a list is that he'll probably work similar to the way that Fallen do, and uh, that he can join any chaos detachment, but he doesn't. Uh, prevent that army from gaining their detachment bonuses. So is a way if of I maybe hazard a guess. Oh, you know what? I wonder. So the Furies, I wonder, I wonder if what they've got. So they've got new Fury models they just did. Now you've got new Bellacor. There's a chance there's going to be a new Demon yep. Prince. I would, I would, I would at this point really start hedging that bet or not hedging, you know, being worried about not having to hedge that bet at all. Um that demon princes are probably getting a new model here soon um you know the more i think about it and the more i look at the the models that were kind of like the generic demon models are getting updates i wonder if one of one of the things they're going to do is have an unaligned like shadow you know noctic form of demons here that's almost like a a new version of of the chaos gods which is it's not none of the chaos gods right and I wonder if yeah, that so is chaos undivided. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And maybe they flesh out more more models or things like that that they wanted to do where you can take maybe a chaos god version of them, like Furies, for example. Um, you can take them as a like a Zinch model. 
and they'll get a benefit for doing so. Um, but maybe there's some benefit now for taking stuff as an undivided unit. And Bellacor is like the, the prince of the, un, you know, chaos undivided. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious what they're going to do for him, both for like the rest of his rules, but also fluff wise. So Bellacor is always occupied a bit of an odd space in 40 K. Uh, in that he doesn't really feature into the overarching narrative. Uh, unlike Age of Sigmar, where Bellacor is central to the entire Archeon mythos. Mm -hmm. um, and so I I'm looking forward to seeing what they do with him, because I think that he's a very cool character. Mm -hmm. um, and, I and I hope that they can do Build him justice it. again. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, Definitely. It's a great concept. I mean, having... Having something like that where, you know, he, he, he does kind of stand on his own or a little bit more independence with it. I mean, that would be really cool. Uh, Chaos needs a little bit of like a, an energy infusion like that. But um, I guess the, the last little thing in the giveaway, in the preview here that kind of stuck out to me was that they, um, they basically revealed that um, you can find the rules for Bellacor in an upcoming supplement for Warhammer 40,000. Um, does that mean that Chaos Demons is not too far off, the, or Codex Chaos Demons. Um, is that the supplement coming up? Uh, or are they saying, hey, this is an expansion book or a supplement book coming up? I, they could probably interchange I mean, that, that, that term. We have the Book of Rust coming out, which is uh, book one of the Caradon, whatever the heck. Um, and so I expect he'll either show up in one of the later books for that or um like like a new codex um later yeah this yeah so would they release like models and new rules that could be like match plays rules in a book for um essentially uh oh what's that i'm sorry i'm completely drawing a blank on it the um the other form not match play not open play but uh, uh narrative play no, 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 no. The new one. Crusade. Crusade. Yeah, because that's what the the camp the supplement yeah. books for, right? Uh, so based off of my look, like looking at the preview they put out, I believe the supplement is also going to have rules for matched play as well. It's just it's primarily a campaign book. Ooh, I mean, it's just okay. like the Psychic Awakening books. If you're playing Eldar, you have to bring the Phoenix Rising book because it has all of your special uh -huh. rules for Exarchs, Jane's are and Howling Banshees. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. So maybe it isn't the codex then, unfortunately, maybe that's, maybe that's what it's going to be in. Yeah. I mean, I, just based off of the word, the fact that it's a supplement, I think that that's the most likely way that they'll go with it. Um, but we'll have to wait and see, but I mean, this does have me excited for chaos, uh, which is it feels you know, like we may coming. It feels like we may just be right around the corner from that, right? Yep. So, I mean, just from a personal note, I still kind of hope that Thousand Sons get their codex right after July because uh, I'm already <laughs> working on a model for David to paint for me. Well, they're going to get it before July. It's going to be a surprise report, and they're going to drop it in our laps and say, "Here you go, David." But you know, oh, yeah, honest, honestly, I'm running out of time here. I mean, it's not, it's not looking, <laughs> it's not looking good. So, 
Um, and it, it, just to remind anybody who hasn't been following along, um, you know, Mike and I made a bet that basically uh, said, would, would Thousand Suns get their codex in ninth edition before July or after July? And uh, uh, basically we said, hey, you know, whoever wins that bet uh, has to paint the other person a model. Um, we put some restrictions around, you know, that so we couldn't really do, you know, mean things to each other. Like, hey, I need you to paint a warlord. Sadly, <laughs> I can't buy buy Bellacor and make David paint him for me. It's no, terrible. no, no. But <laughs> that's just so bad. So, uh, yeah. So I'm probably going to lose this. So I'm I'm pretty much preparing for the fact that we're not going to get our codos spot in July. But I was certainly feeling a lot better about that back in you know December January with you know all the promises that were being laid out and yeah we're going to have all these books and everything and boy you know <laughs> global events being what they are you've got logistic issues left and right right now. And it sure doesn't look at the pace they're giving us updates and previews. It sure doesn't look like we're going to see anything here for a while. Yeah. I, I think with things in the state of flux, they had these great ambitions for, um, yeah, we're going to do a codex plus a supplement per month. And we're going to roll these out real quick and then reality hit them. Yeah. And, uh, now we're um, <laughs> you mean reality being game. shutting down UK and stuff like that? You know that that definitely yeah, uh, that. Will hurt quite a bit. Yep. And then uh, you know I know some of our some of our other members have stuff getting stuck in shipment. You know across countries in Europe, so that's got to be pretty frustrating. But you know a lot of this stuff is out of GW's control, so you know it's not their fault. You know it's yeah. it's just kind of sitting back and just kind of hoping. You know what? We're going to get new content. Let's just try and do our best to appreciate what's there. Maybe get some hobby work done. You know, I'm, I'm Mike, I have to admit, I'm actually finally making progress on my Magnus again and uh, trying to get, that's trying good. to get it finished. So, you know, finally, finally actually getting back and actually hobbying some stuff, you know, it's uh, it feels good, man. Yeah. I, um, I primed the model. It was very exciting. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> maybe uh maybe next maybe uh here next month i'll actually um put some water in my paint pot you know just taking a slow roll it stares at you from the table empty and dry it really mike come on nice. man <laughs> paint me <laughs> well am i am i forgetting anything mike i mean i i think i am i mean, something i'm forgetting I, I don't know how you could. Everyone knows that, well, Magnus did nothing wrong. No, and you know how he didn't do anything wrong? He didn't even go to the tournament. Uh, <laughs> he didn't even go to the tournament. What? No. How could he do anything wrong if he wasn't at the tournament? No, he, he just, you know, the, the tournament was there. It's like the Siege of Terra. It's kind of like, you know, he went for his own things, and then he was like, all right, I'm going to head out. <clears throat> <laughs> yeah, I'm done. Thanks, guys. Have fun. <laughs> Got what we need. Good luck. Good luck. Death of the False Emperor. Yep. <laughs> we'll be back at our uh, planet yep. making stuff. <laughs> All right. <laughs>